Thank you for checking out the HR Like a Boss podcast. If it resonates with you, please consider leaving a rating and review. And better yet, subscribe and share it with a friend. Okay. Hey, this is John Bernadovich. I'm continuing my journey of writing the book, HR Like a Boss. It has been an amazing experience so far, and I am delighted to be joined today by Kelly Keefe, the president of ERC. ERC is an amazing organization in Northeast Ohio that supports small to medium-sized companies with their HR challenges and creates unique opportunities through a variety of services, which I'm sure Kelly can tell us all about. So Kelly, thank you for joining me. Thanks, John, for having me. I'm delighted to be here. So Kelly, tell me a little bit about your, your career in HR and your progression throughout your time at ERC. Sure, happy to. Um, I've got kind of a, a non-traditional story and that I uh, had been working and then I had my first born and I actually uh, retired from working and I thought that uh, I wanted to, to move into my next phase of my life and um, the opportunity at ERC kind of fell into my lap. And my predecessor, Pat Perry, who I believe, um, you know, John, you have a great relationship with, he was willing to take a chance on me and say, sure, um, I'd like for you to join my organization on a very non-traditional schedule. So I started at ERC working only 12 hours a week. And for all of those that are listening out there, I have to say that if you have the opportunity to take a chance on an employee in a very non-traditional, flexible schedule, you don't know what um, could happen out of that. So I continued to grow with an ERC and obviously um, loved what I was doing, so kept adding to my schedule and adding responsibilities. Um, and here I am, you know, in the ERC's 100-year history, which we just celebrated 100 years this year. I was the first female president. Um, and that is a testament to a leader thinking differently about their employees and their staff and also, you know, me uh, willing to take a chance and continue to grow. So, so ERC at the core of us, we are a membership association, like I said, been around for 100 years. And our goal is to help leaders make great business decisions using people data and also um, helping them with their, their people to make sure that they are informed, they're engaged, and they are contributing at their highest potential. How awesome, yeah, no, and I know part of that is uh, your North Coast 99, which has been well-branded in our community, and I know it's a, it's a big deal to uh, uh, having had received that award at our firm in the past. I'm so thankful for you to do that, and I know now with the pandemic, um, you're, you're planning a virtual event, I assume, or so you're gonna do right. something, I hope, right? Yes, so uh, North Coast 99, over 20 years in the making, we have so much data from top performers and organizations as to what they are using to help drive um, positive performance for their organization. And uh, it's, it's a, uh, it started as a way to give back um, to the community and we are still doing that. Our focus is on trying to attract and retain top performers to Northeast Ohio. And so we are continuing that. We usually celebrate all of these organizations with 900 plus people and a large venue. Obviously we can't do that this year, but if you really look at the core of what North Coast Indian does, it gives leaders data to help them make business decisions about their organizations when it comes to policies and procedures. So we are going to hold the event virtually, but as with everything in 2020, we're adapting and we're excited for what's to come. Yeah, it's interesting you said, I wanna just point on, uh, uh, make a point on what you shared about how you started ERC 12 hours after having, um, I'll say air quote, retired, um, <laughs> just seemed like 
Um, that's an incredibly noble uh, thing to do, but I'm glad, I'm glad you're back in the workforce making the impact that you are. Yeah, I, I had a, you, you connected me uh, or your, your company did with uh, Enlightened Solutions. And I had a conversation with the partners over there. And, and one of them mentioned something very unique to me that I thought was, was very telling for the time that we're in. Um, they talked about companies that have flexible work environments and flexible work schedules for virtual or, or on-site or hoteling or whatever tend to be more um, diverse, more inclusive, and more equitable. They, the, the science that they're looking at, as you talked about data, uh, provides this opportunity for companies that have, you know, what I'll call flexible work environments, they tend to be more diverse and more inclusive. And I thought that was very unique. And when I thought about it, it made me think like, well, okay, yeah, if, if you have a company that's just, you're in the office, this is the job you have to do. I have to see you being here doing this every day versus, hey, you know what, you're a really good, talented person and we need the help and we'll take 12 hours of yours a week if we can. Yep. Uh, make, it makes sense to me. Those dots connected. It hadn't before I, I'd heard that from Bethany. I, I don't know if you have anything in that you'd like to share, but um, it, it, was, uh, it was interesting to hear that data point. Yeah, absolutely. You know, at the beginning of COVID, I was talking to a business leader in a very, not, in a very traditional business setting, and the customer service reps that were typically in the office were now home. And I know one of them he was talking about was a new mother. And, and uh, the leader of the business was, you know, kind of upset that this new mother was saying, well, I need some flexibility with my schedule. And the leader said, well, no, we can't do that. And I challenged that leader and I said, you absolutely can. If you've got a great employee, she obviously has issues. No, she doesn't have issues. She has to care for this child. You know, that's yeah, just yeah. You know, tender, loving care and also feeding the child. That is an obligation that's first and foremost. So if you respect that employee and you say to that employee, you take the breaks that you need. And you know what? Our customers will probably appreciate that. And, you know, and because if you tell the story correctly, you know, due to COVID, our employees are working extra hours um, and we're trying to do as much. You know, think about any business that you were working with in March or April. From the big kahunas, they were all saying that, you know, due to unforeseen circumstances, we need to, to move things around. So, so leaders, I think, that are most successful are those that are able to think differently and to flex and to trust your employees. Yeah, and we've been forced to be incredibly adaptable and flexible, and, and, and I agree. So, all right, so as far as the topic of uh, our video, Chad, it's to talk about HR Like a Boss, this uh, unique and um, I hope, I hopeful, hopefully somewhat successful uh, book venture that I'm, I'm involved in and, and trying to, to get out there to the community. So first and foremost, Kelly, how would you describe the purpose of human resources? Great question. Um, and I think, unfortunately, human resources is not uh, defined today as probably how it should be. Um, but you know, the, I believe the purpose of human resources is to align the needs of the organization with the employees so that the organization can be successful and in turn that the employees are successful. So you know, a, an organization, even if you're completely virtual or you know, there's still some sort of a person affiliated with that organization, right? And the best organizations are those, that, as we just talked about, that um, are able to be responsive and nimble to the employee's needs. So I believe that HR, you know, they need to be aligned with the organization's purpose and make sure that the employees are well aware of that and have the tools and the skills that they need to be successful. Yeah, it's funny, you reminded me of when I, I did research, the uh, definition in the Cambridge uh, Dictionary talks about um, managing records, the definition of HR, managing records, 
and it talks, if I remember correctly, it talks about pe people's problems, right? Right. It's like, and it was just, it was actually very, very funny when you, when you read it out loud and I'm with you, like my definition of is a connect, connecting people with your organization, right? That that's the main yep. purpose of, of, yep. of HR and the definition of it. So yep. what, what have you enjoyed having um, such a unique role now, especially at ERC and working with, you know, driving HR and, and connecting and supporting leaders in, in the use of data and, and helping them make decisions about people. What have you enjoyed the most about working in the field of HR? You know, it's interesting. I, I did not grow up in the field of HR. I started on the business side. And um, what I've loved about it is the, the impact and the influence that really strong HR people can have on the leadership team. Um, and, you know, you've got a CEO who's focused on numbers and business and, and so many things as John, you and I know, and then you've got a CFO who's focused on the numbers. And, you know, so who's focused on the people side to make sure that the people have, again, the tools that they need, that they're in the right position, that they're engaged in the organization, that's caring for the whole person, um, especially right now. Um, people go to work, whether they're remote or in the office or whatever, but, you know, we spend more time sometimes with people that we're working with and so in order to make the whole person how are we how is the organization aligned to make sure that uh, individuals are feeling a part of something greater and so i believe you know in my experiences through north coast 99 through other um, services that we offer that we are able to give these leaders the tools and this um, that they need to to keep employees engaged and we've heard countless times from simple things like our supervisory training where people have come back the following week and said you know i actually spoke to my child in a different manner because i was listening to them as opposed to just talking at them or my spouse and i we just had a really great conversation or i picked up the phone so so many things that we share um, from the HR world are relatable inside and outside of the workplace. Yeah, that success definition is being able to make an impact on people like at work as well yep. as the, the, the skills that we're teaching oftentimes in HR are, are not not specific to just work, right? They're, they're real life examples that as you gave the the, the, daughter, the, the mother and, and the son example um, of, yep. of sharing that. So is there a particular time within um, your journey within ERC or in your business career to where you felt uh, or saw with a client maybe a, a profound impact of, uh, you know, a positive success, whether it be a, a, an exceptional result in a quarter or a, a, a result that came up as a planning and, and incorporating a lot of changes from a people standpoint that you saw either in your career or one of your clients? Um, yeah, there's been countless opportunities, you know, countless um, examples, especially through North Coast 99. Uh, where we've been talking to organizations about the importance, as you spoke earlier, about having a diverse workforce. And the more that we share about the business benefits, the financial benefits of having a diverse workforce. And so in our work, we've been working really hard with organizations to help them understand, help leaders understand the importance of this. And I know it's, it's something that leaders need to commit to. You can't all of a sudden wake up one morning and have a diverse workforce. It's a, you have to have a plan in place. And so I'm really proud of that. And I'm, I'm proud of the leaders that have, have taken that risk um, because it is a it's, it's, it's more work than what they've typically been doing. Um, and the outcomes through the financials are you know, very positive. Yeah, no, I love that. It's great. Is there anything you mentioned having worked with a, a bunch of clients through either your training programs or some of your consulting services or membership? Is there, and having you know, 
touched and, and had an impact on HR professionals. Is there, are there standout characteristics you think that say, oh, that, that HR pro, he or she or they get it and uh, it, it, it's, it, they, they stand out at least from people you've met through your, your, your work every day? You know, I think the most successful HR professionals are those that aren't settled until they have a seat at the table, a seat at the leadership table. And um, unfortunately, in many HR positions right now, that's not where um, HR is. They don't have an influence. And so decisions are pushed down onto HR. Perhaps leadership doesn't trust the HR professional. Perhaps the HR professional doesn't quite know the direction that the leadership is headed. And so unfortunately, I think there's a real disconnect there. Um, if you're investing in an HR professional, don't just think of them as a paper pusher. Think of them as somebody that is really helping to drive your business forward. Um, again, you know, probably the most expensive um, expense you have on your um, expense report is your people. So use your HR professional to, um, to help cultivate your, your people. And so again, what I feel is the most successful HR person is somebody that demands to have a seat at the table. Maybe it's not overnight um, and demand is a strong word, but they have goals and aspirations to have a seat at the table to be able to help make business decisions that are helpful to the organization. Yeah. Now we, we've talked about this quite a bit in this. I feel like seat at the table may be a, you know, a disparaging term in the, in the field of HR, but it, it is all too often um, commonplace and, and I'd be really curious to see and, and, and a data point that tells us how, how many truly are on that leadership. I, I, have, I have a theory as to why this is, this is the way it is, and I'll be curious to get your, your take on that. So I think that, so, so, so let's say somebody starts new at a company, right? And, and they, they, they're, they're there and the CEO has, he or she, or they have had their kind of setup, um, and HR is not there. And all of a sudden, that, that HR professional is, is frustrated right off the bat. Like, I don't have a seat at the table. What's going on? You know, you know, create, creating all these stories that sometimes we, we can tell ourselves. So then all of a sudden there's friction and, and then there's a disconnect and, and may, maybe it splinters as opposed to that person that goes, goes into that role and says, well, I, obviously things happen in the past that caused HR to not be an, an, an integral part of what this business does. So help me understand what that means. Like seek to understand, T help me understand why that's that way. And the CEO may tell them stories of, you know, this is what happened before. And then over time, like you, I know you use the word demand, which I think sometimes maybe you reach the point where it's like, come on, like I've earned this spot. Um, I, I need to be there because of the importance of people. But over time, subtle changes, at least in my mind, business related changes, looking at the company, not just from a tactical generalist HR perspective, but getting into the mind of the CEO to understand how they're making decisions about critical things and how that connects to the business and the people. So I feel like it's, you can't sit there and say, okay, I'm first day on the job. I need this seat because it, there's, there's legacy things along the way that you need to understand as to why it hasn't been granted in the past. Absolutely. And you need to earn the trust just as any employee needs to earn the trust of um, someone that they're working with, whether it's a coworker or a boss or um, you know, you need to earn that trust. And I will say, you know, one thing that I think has helped me be successful is I know that through asking questions, people can see where my mind is going. Um, and I don't jump to conclusions without asking a lot of questions. And I do ask a lot of questions. And I believe that HR, you know, if you don't have a seat at the table, one way to get there is by earning the trust of your leader, by asking questions that maybe 
they're not thinking of. When you think about all, especially over the past, you know, five months, um, you know, there's so many things that leaders have had to deal with, with first of all, making your employees all of a sudden remote to technology needs, to servicing your clients, all of those things. So um, especially right now, there's so many things that leaders are not able to even comprehend, let alone think about. And so HR, if you do your homework and you stay up on trends, um, you know, at ERC right now, we're doing a weekly poll asking HR professionals to answer questions um, relative to COVID. Um, and, you know, one of the questions we asked is, you know, about pay cuts, about furlough, about mask wearing, about, you know, if children are not going back to school, are you giving kids more flexibility? I mean, all there's so many questions that leaders and HR professionals, if they work together, they could come up with solutions. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, and, and and like you said, it's it's the number one, um, you know, most expensive line on your your financials. At the same time, it's it's it what's it's what represents your business in the community and and with your clients and yep. profoundly impactful. There's there's when you get it right, it's amazing how how much different it is compared to when you don't get it right. Right. So speaking of not getting it right, there's a there's a. a portion in a presentation I do that's that, that started this whole concept of writing the book and I, I put a slide up in front of 100 HR people the first time I did it is I hate HR and I thought I was going to get booed off the stage uh, luckily I didn't and I asked them to answer the question why do you think people hate or dislike human resources and almost half the room raised their hand I had to corral them in after time and the stories were very personal and you could you could feel you could feel the, the I had empathy with them I could feel just the pain and some of the some of the tone that people shared real stories so I'm just curious as to why why you think why you think people don't like like employees do not like HR well because sometimes I think employees they have no control over whether it's um, their benefits or you know they need to go to HR to to figure out solutions that are personal to them. Maybe they just went through a divorce. Maybe they just lost a loved one and they need to change some paperwork or whatever it may be. And, you know, so HR needs to be responsive and reflective to that person and, and their emotions and what they're going through. And they might not know because, you know, HR could be, do, be done over email right now. So, you know, I've had my own experiences where HR professionals, you know, prior to ERC were you know, were not very friendly to me and I was in a stressful situation. So I think, you know, that's a simple form that sometimes just the paperwork alone can kind of get, um, can kind of get in the way. Um, but I also think that, oh, that's another training session they're making me go to. Oh, that's, you know, I, they're, they want me to meet with a coach. And so I think there's a lot of opportunity for HR professionals to go the extra mile hey, you know what, we're investing in supervisory or leadership training in you because we believe that you have a lot of opportunity to grow within this organization, but we just want to give you some additional skills. Think about the difference between that message as opposed to, hey, every Tuesday you need to go to supervisory training, and oh, by the way, you still need to get your job done. Um, so, you know, that employee's already it's set up to, you know, they probably have resentment and, and confusion as to why they're going. And so I do think that, you know, if HR understands the impact that all of their moves, all of their messages have on an employee, when you make it down to being a personal interaction, a personal level, I think that could be a reason, um, in my own personal opinion. 
Yeah, I think an in, individual coaching and that communication makes it so much more impactful because you can create kind of the personal purpose for the individual as to how that training may be helpful in the example that you gave, as opposed to an edict from the top that just finds its way down and then right. a, a thousand employees are sitting in a train like, what what am I doing this for? Right, right. right. So, yeah. And then there's no follow-up and... You know, so if, if the manager doesn't talk to them after, it's like, well, why did we spend this money? You know, so, you know, I think HR needs to think holistically, you know, about every move that they make, which can be exhausting. Nobody's saying the HR's position is easy. In fact, it's not at all. Um, yeah, so. Not for the faint of heart, for sure. No, no. So doing, doing the work that you've, you've done and, and the focus that ERC has had specifically on, on North Coast 99, I'm, I'm, I want to get to that as it relates to top talent. So one of the key points, at least in my opinion, and HR's profound influence in a company is, is attracting um, as, as talented as a group that fits within the organization and, and meets the needs of the business and the customers. I'm curious if there's a data that you see within your 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 collection of like what makes consistently a company to attract that talent and if there is like a particular question in an interview that uh, our readers could potentially ask that says oh I remember Kelly Keefe said to ask this question and my my, my the talent increased as I attracted them into our company you know um what we have found from the data, and we don't have this year's data yet for what top performers are looking for, so I would imagine it will be pretty different because we actually had an organizations fill out the top performer survey between March and May. So I'm curious, we haven't um, been able to finalize that yet, but I'm curious what top performers think. But historically, the number one thing that top performers are looking for is not pay, but it's challenging and meaningful work. When you think about you know, your top performer, they are always looking for the next, you know, kind of the next project to work on. How can they make things better? Um, they just want to continuously improve both themselves and the organization from financials to engagement to other things. So, so historically, you know, challenging and meaningful work has, has been in the top. Um, and then of course, flexibility and compensation. So I would imagine um, this year, just kind of speculating, but flexibility is probably going to be at the top and um, challenging and meaningful work will probably still be up there, but I'm guessing it won't be number one. Um, and um, I would say the organizations that right now that are interviewing, and there are many out there, I know there's a lot of people looking for work, but there's also a lot of organizations that are still looking for work. You know, one question that I always like to ask is, define what success means to you. Um, and I believe that you're really able to, to determine if that person is looking for that challenging and meaningful work, or are they looking you know, first for flexibility, which I understand some people need that, but also is it paired with you know, wanting to continuously improve themselves and contribute to the organization. So to me, you know, defining what success looks like to them both in their organization and, or both personally, and then also, you know, in professionally. So that's always a important question for me. Yeah. And the unique part of that kind of goes back to that training example we talked about. So if you understand what in the interview, what success is, and then throughout the, their career, you can try to curtail or provide resources to them that help them reach that level of success Absolutely. on an individual level. I think sometimes that gets harder and harder as companies scale and get bigger. There's so many employees. How do I do this? But 
I think I think there's a I think there's a logical way that can be managed through their manager or HR's peer peer group with them yep. to support kind of helping them achieve that level of success. So cool. I'm I'm so curious to see the data. Having oh, yeah. you said yes. that, like it feels like, and I know when we're gonna look back 20, 30 years from now, we're gonna see the stock market going like this. And do you remember COVID? My guess is you're gonna look back like 20 years from now and be like, what happened in 2020? Why right. was the world so different? Right. Yep. It's going to be a standout. But you know, at the end of the day, this is really important information for leaders to know because uh, who knows what tomorrow could bring. Hopefully we don't ever have a 2020 in our lifetime or even in our children's lifetime or grandchildren's lifetime. But, you know, we don't know. And so it's good for leaders to recognize what's important to leaders. Yeah. You know, one other thing I want to bring up back to the question you asked before about why HR might have a bad rap is there's a lot of people on the streets right now, a lot of really great people on the streets looking for jobs. And what's, what I find is very disheartening is when somebody takes the time to fill out an application and to submit a, a letter and, and then they receive no response. You know, I think this is an opportunity for HR to really dig deep. And you know, I know there's a lot on your plate, but figure out a process so that each individual feels the human element whether it's just a thank you, we're not hiring right now, thank you, the position has been filled, thank you, your qualifications don't meet. We have to remember that people are really struggling um, in the world right now. And so as much as we can do to make people feel at least that somebody took the time to, to even give a negative response, at least they took the time. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. That's awesome. I just got two more questions for you, Kelly. You've been great. Right. Appreciate, appreciate your time. So um, if you could go back just a few years, because I know you're still young in your career, if you were to, able to give yourself advice, right, um, as it relates to, okay, now I've had all this experience and president of ERC, if, if you could go back to when you started your career and say, uh, a younger version of Kelly, here are the things I would suggest you would do coming from a, a wiser, more experienced self. What, what would you tell yourself? Wow, that's a good question. I would tell myself that um, sometimes you just got to let things go um, because there's, there's a, a, a lot on our plates and no matter what your role from the first line of defense uh, um, within an organization to the top level, um, you know, there's, there's so many um, things that we're all working on together. And so um, I also will tell you that, I've learned to make each employee feel as important as the next. And um, I appreciate the interaction that I'm able to have on a, on a personal level with people. And, and I think perhaps when my, my younger self, um, maybe I was intimidated by talking to older professionals. Um, and then in the middle of my career, Maybe I didn't pay attention to as many professionals that were younger than me. Um, what, what I've learned now is the collective experiences of all different ages, of all different backgrounds, that that really helps create a, um, a solid structure for moving forward. So open-mindedness is a, is a hard thing for a lot of people, especially me. Um, and so I think that I've, I've, I've grown to understand the importance of listening to all different um, opinions and viewpoints. And at the end of the day, you still have to be firm in your decision, whatever decision that may be, but at least consider all aspects um, before you come to that firm decision. 
Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I'll, I'll share a story. I know we talked a little bit about this before we got on camera, but uh, I, my, my dad passed away uh, earlier this year and it, it caused me to reconcile on a bunch of things in my life. And uh, he was so influential in, in, in my business career. And then he got me into golf, which that was an amazing uh, journey for me in my life. And so I thought to myself, what, if, what have I not done uh, that I should do? And writing the book was one of the things. And it turns out the first person I talked with after I had this epiphany of writing the book was Pat Perry. Pat, Pat, Pat's recommendation was get it out of your mind, even if, it's that, even if you're the only one to read it. Uh, just get it out of your mind and, and, and off your heart. And, and then, and then uh, it's interesting. I, it, I've, in talking with people, you made mention of this specifically about uh, how you made people feel. Uh-huh. And I know, I know companies have been working really hard. And I know, I know ERC is, is an example provides, um, you know, engagement type mm-hmm. questions and surveys for its clients. But to me, to me, I, I think about all the people that visited my dad as he was in his last months of life. And, and the number of stories about how my dad touched them in a very profound, impactful way and how he made them feel, mm-hmm. right? So then it made me reflect. And then one, one, of, one of the people I've interviewed with this talked about this, do you, lo- do you love your employees? And it was like a word I'd never heard. Oh my gosh, do you love your employees? We don't say love in the professional setting. And he, and he talked about how, how does the company make your employees feel? How does the CEO make your employees feel? How does the manager they report to make their direct reports feel? How does the purpose that you're focused on make them feel? Yeah. And to me, like that, that is, I'm hoping one of the, the secret sauces in this book that says, what, 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 is your, what, is, what are you doing HR to impact the way that your employees feel about those four or five really important things? And you, you made mention of it, right? In, in yep. your journey of, of the impact you have. And pe- people, people will not remember how much money you made. They will not remember even the jobs you did. Maybe some of the funny stories along the way. But at the end of the day, it's how did Kelly, how did ERC, how did my manager make me feel? And that'll impact you know, their, their, their life profoundly one way or the other. Good, good or in some cases, really bad. Yeah. E. John, it's so perfectly said. You know, I try to be in touch. You know, ERC is not a large organization with 25 employees. Willery is not a, you know, large organization. So I, I, do, um, I do believe that those HR professionals and leaders of large organizations, they have a much harder time of doing this. But however you do it, leaders, HR professionals, you can pick up the phone and call one person a day, one employee, or send an email to five people a day. But, you know... If, if I don't pick up the phone and call my employees right now, there, it could be a month that perhaps I don't talk to one employee. You know, that's important. As I was growing up in my career, talking to, you know, my boss or my boss's boss, or at least seeing them in the hallway, you know, that was important. And people, we don't know the, the grief that people are carrying around with them right now. We don't know the struggles financially and their home life. Life is really hard right now. And, you know, I, I, it's not easy, but leaders, the more that you can step up to the plate, HR professionals, the more that you can step up to the plate and bring that human element back to your position and to your organization, the better it will be. I promise you that you will have a more engaged workforce. You, you really will, because they will feel like they are contributing to somebody that cares about them. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Wonderful advice. 
So last but not least, so I, I have this definition in my mind of uh, a person that does HR like a boss. Kelly, I'm curious as to how you would define that in, in, in your experience. I would say HR like a boss to me is HR individuals that own their role and they take responsibility for it. Whether it's making, like I just said, picking up the phone, this isn't in your job description. Nobody has in their job description to pick up the phone and make sure that somebody's doing okay. But, but take it upon yourself. These are unprecedented times. It's an opportunity for HR to, to get rid of that bad reputation that's not worthy really, um, but get rid of it, make it human, make it, um, make it your own job to make your organization better. And if you're working with policies that just don't make sense right now, challenge leadership and get rid of some of those policies. If you're working with benefits that don't make sense right now, challenge those benefits. You know, do what you can to, to, to bring the human side back to the human resources word. I love it. That's awesome. Thanks. Kelly, you're great. I appreciate you very much. Thank you for taking the time. Um, and continued success. Stay safe. You too. We'll uh, talk to you soon. And thank you for those that listen in. Uh, we'll continue to keep you updated on the journey. And thank you very much uh, for your continued interest. Take care. Thanks, John. Thank you for checking out the HR Like a Boss podcast. Remember, if it resonates with you, please consider leaving a rating and review. And better yet, subscribe and share it with a friend. Until next time, let's continue to aspire to do amazingly awesome HR.